I'm going to preach, I better grab my Bible. Sadly, in many places, that doesn't happen. But let it never be said of our church, anything that comes from this pulpit must be centered in this book. Must be. Well, if you would, uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, from our typical um, uh, study, we've been going through the book of First John on Sunday mornings. I'd like to take a brief pause as we come into the Christmas season and enter into the new year. And I'd like to bring a, uh, a, a brief series on hope. And I hope, pun intended, that it's a blessing to you as we get into this and we study uh, what we find in this. And so we're going to be in Malachi chapter 2 this morning. If you've been uh, following with us through the book of 1 John and you're, you've been studied up on what we're going to be looking at next, we'll put a pin in that. We'll come back to that here in a couple weeks. Um, but for right now, I'd like to get us to there. But before we do that, if you're a child and you're sitting there wondering, do I have to sit here for it? You are dismissed. Children, you are able to escape. The rest of us are going to take just a moment to make sure my phone is silent. Take that for whatever you want. And let's get ready to study the Word of God. Malachi chapter number 2. In this brief uh, uh, series of hope, we're going to look at a few of the Minor prophets, and minor prophets are not named minor prophets because they're minor as in importance. They are minor in size, so they are not less important than the major prophets. Uh, but we are going to spend a little bit of time. A lot of times these smaller books get ignored, uh, get read over. Uh, but today I'd like to zero in uh, here in the book of Malachi, uh, chapter number 2, and we're going to look at the hope for the cynical and uh, I don't know if you're in this boat or not, but there are a lot of people who have become rather cynical uh, in this day and age. And they, uh, you know, you can look at cynicism or skeptical or pessimistic, and people end up camping down in these kind of areas. And they get very, uh, very, yeah, what's it all mean and what's it all about? Uh, uh, but today I'd like to kind of zero in and hopefully bring some hope um, in, in relation to this. So look with me if you would, and stand with me if you're able, uh, for the reading of the Word of God, uh, Malachi chapter number 2. And we're going to start in Malachi chapter number 2, um, verse 17, but we're going to continue into chapter 3, uh, because the original writing did not have the verse and chapter divisions. And I think oftentimes that messes us up, and this is a case in point, perfect example of it. So look with me, if you would, starting in verse number 17 of chapter 2. Ye have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, Wherein have we wearied him? When you say, Everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them. Or, Where is the God of judgment? Behold, I send my messenger, and shall prepare the way before me. And the, uh, and the Lord whom ye seek, shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in, 
Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide in the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old and as in the former years. And I will come near to you to judgment. And I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against false swears and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside from the, the stranger from his right. And fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. Gracious Father, would you bless the reading of your word as you promised to do? And help us to see you this morning in the pages. Help us, Father, to not get uh, so pulled away from the real focus, the true meaning of this time of the year because of the commercialism and all the uh, excitement of what's going on. Father, help us to be honestly worshiping You today. Because Your Son even told us, now is the time where we are to worship You in spirit and in truth. And so, Father, help us this morning as we get into your word. Give us understanding. Speak to me as you speak through me. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, many today have become cynical just as they had when Malachi was writing. This is a writing that's taking place and, and the people of Israel had become very uh, pessimistic about what was to come. I mean, if, if you really think about it, it had been thousands of years from the day of Adam and Eve uh, when the first promise was, was given to where uh, God was going to put enmity between her seed and the seed of uh, the serpent and that uh, the serpent was going to bruise his heel, but he was going to be bruised in the head by the one that was to come. And then later on, as you move your way all through scripture you find over and over again time and time again the promise of the one who was to come God saying himself I'm going to take care of it you read through the book of Exodus and you see example after example of, of the way that the Lord was providing he's he provided food he provided light he provided shelter he provided protection he provided water and then Jesus steps onto the scene and he says I am the living water I am the bread of life. I am the light. I am. And he, he was letting it be known. Hey, all the things that you saw back here were foreshadowing of what I'm bringing to the table. And Jesus steps on to the scene and says, ta-da! All, all the illustrations and all the, uh, the things leading up, they are now made sight. But then we come to this opportunity where Jesus is finally on earth. He is finally with us. And we look back so often, uh, some 2,000 years ago, and we celebrate the coming uh, Messiah. We celebrate the, uh, the nativity and we see these, uh, they see these things in people's yards. And you've got the Mary and the Joseph and the baby Jesus and the shepherd. And I don't know why the wise men, because they technically weren't there. But that's another sermon for a different day. And, and But we see these things and we get excited. And this time of the year, it's, it's, a, it's natural for people to get 
uh, to get sort of religious in their mindset, and they start thinking more spiritually at this time of the year because they know what it's about. Uh, my family and I we were watching a show just the other day, and, and I was blown away. They mentioned Jesus' name twice, and it was on a show that I was not expecting to hear Jesus' name in a positive way. Even the heathen knows that there's a reason for this season. And so often, we let ourselves get distracted and pulled out to every other opportunity. Beloved, understand something. Christmas is not only a time to look back at the coming Savior, but it is also a time to look forward to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. I think for just a moment, we've, we, we sing at this time of the year the, the song, Joy to the World, The Lord is Come. You know that that's not a Christmas song, even though we sing it at Christmas time. It was a song written about the future second coming of Jesus Christ. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. It says, let heaven and nature sing, and we automatically take ourselves back to uh, uh, the angels singing. But it says this, He rules the earth with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness. That's coming. The Christ child ushered in the future kingdom. And so at Christmas time, not only do we want to look back and celebrate uh, the Christ child who came, the one who came to, uh, it was born to die. That's not the only thing that we celebrate. We also, as believers, ought to be celebrating there's coming a day where my Savior, the one that we're celebrating His birth, will come back and rule and reign and everything's going to be just hunky-dory. I'm looking forward to that day. I'm excited about it. But there's so many people, just like in Malachi's day, they had gotten to the place where they were so pessimistic about this world that they were living in, and they were saying, when is He coming? I mean, look at what it says at the end of uh, uh, chapter number 2 there. He says, um, everybody talking about people saying that he that doth uh, evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them. Or, where is the God of judgment? He's letting all this stuff happen. Where is He? And I think in today's day and time, we see the same type of mentality amongst people and especially, sadly, amongst believers. They look around at everything that's happening in this world. They look at all the negativity, all the problems that we find in this world, and we see the heart of the cynic in saying, well, I guess God's okay with it. It's not getting any better. <laughs> Beloved, the Word of God let us know it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And I don't care which side of the coin you land on, a politician's not the answer. Christ is. Now, in looking at the heart that the cynic has, you know, I'm, I'm afraid many today have made Christmas simply a matter uh, of celebrating uh, of family and friends and we come together and we open presents and we make cookies and we eat cookies and we eat turkey and pork and all these, you know, we bring all this stuff together and that's, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Wrong. Linus had it right. That's not what Christmas is all about. 
about him. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. Goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is about. But the Jewish people had become very cynical about God's involvement. And they had heard about God's interaction of previous years. They had heard, because by this time, it's been many years later, they had heard about the parting of the Red Sea. They had heard about, uh, about God sending the ten plagues. They had heard about fire coming from heaven with Elijah. They had heard about the manna. They had heard about the quail. They had heard about the snake bite. And even in Jesus' day, these people were recognizing those things. That's why He brought these things up. He says, just as the serpent was lifted in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He's pointing back to all these things because the same thing that happened in Malachi's day was happening in Jesus' day. And Jesus is trying to get them to understand something. Wake up for a minute. God is still God. And His timetable is not yours and mine. It's like the, uh, the old boy that was reading the Word of God and he came across the passage that said, a, a day is like unto God, a thousand years is like unto God, but a day. And he says, I wonder if that remains true for the rest of everything. And so he starts talking to the Lord and he says, is that, the, is, is that equal as far as, you know, just regular years or, uh, or, or does, it, does it equate to other things? Since, you know, one day could be like a thousand years or a thousand years, like one day for you. I'm assuming that like one penny is like a thousand dollars or and God says, yes, that's that's the way it works. Can I have a penny, Lord? Yeah. Beloved, we need to understand something. The God of yesterday is the God of today. I, I, I grow weary of listening to preachers talk about the how horrible our world is and how horrible things are going. And oh, we need to find something. We need to get our voting straight. We need to get our... No, stop it! The God that brought revival yesterday can bring revival today. Oh, but pastor, we're living in the last days. Maybe, but I don't want to act like I'm dying tomorrow. I would rather live like the God that was, uh, was around during the old Welsh revival is the same God we have today. So just because things have gotten terrible, just because things are getting ugly in the world today does not mean that God has taken His hand off of us. Christmas. Jesus' introduction into the world at the time He came when things looked the bleakest, things looked terrible, God stepped into earth, stretched His arms out wide, and poured out His soul for you. But there's coming a day. Even though that has taken place and He ascended, the angels told the people on the hill, He said, the same way you saw Him go, He's going to come back down. Oh, man. <laughs> That's what we can celebrate. So if you're cynical this morning, if you're pessimistic this morning, if you're wondering, is God going to do anything? Well, it's time to, for us to be assured of something. Yes, He is going to do something. You know, the Jewish people becoming very cynical about God's involvement. Uh, they, they made this statement in chapter 2, verse 17. He says, "Wherein, uh, when you say everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord. Uh, understand what they're saying. They're, they're not making this statement as much as an observation. Have you ever uh, had somebody say, well, you said, well, no, that's not what I said. Well, 
that's the way you were acting. You see, this is what Malachi is writing here, that the Lord is saying, you're acting as though I think everybody doing evil is okay. We have this kind of stuff in, in, in today's day and time. Many feel the same way. We see politicians, we see celebrities, we see uh, the media, and we see all these different people committing vile acts but that go unpunished. And some have uh, the idea that, well, if you can't beat them, join them. Some have even said things like, well, uh, if they can do it, why can't we? I heard one pastor actually excuse his actions because that's the way you do it today. No. If it doesn't match up with the Word of God, that's not the way we do it today. Period. And so, seeing here, uh, perhaps they were saying these kind of things sarcastically, perhaps even literally uh, they said this, but I, I believe that in today's day and time, we see the same kind of attitude that they saw back then. These, these things go unpunished, but never let it be that we say God is okay just because He hasn't acted yet. Again, God's timetable is not ours. One of my, uh, one of my mentors, I was talking to him about a situation in my life once upon a time, and, and, and I was really struggling with something really Honestly, I, I, I didn't. I just couldn't move on until someone was dealt with. And he said, "Andy, you may never in your lifetime see that person dealt with, but be assured, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap." Beloved, understand this beyond any shadow of a doubt, and I, I pray this brings you hope. There's coming a day when God will set up His rule and reign on this earth. The lion will lay down with the lamb. There will be peace. <laughs> you see, we can have that in our hearts today. And that's what Christ provided. He, he even, at, at one case in, uh, case in point, He was bringing out, uh, as He was preaching in His own hometown, He was bringing out the prophecy, that, and He stopped in the middle, and he, they, were, they were like, wait a minute, wait a minute, why didn't you finish that off? And He says, because that part is coming later. And he says, the first half is fulfilled now. We can have hope in this. In the darkest of days... Where is the God of justice? Time and time again, God has reminded His people that this is only for a season. Only for a season. It says there in, in chapter 2, verse 17, He says, Ye have wearied the Lord with your words. <laughs> Exhausted Him. I mean, th think about it like this. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you guys are holier than me. Probably. Probably. <laughs> But have you ever made a trip with kids in the back of the car? Dad, are we there yet? No. Are we still driving? Well, yeah. Then we're not there. 
And praise be to God for iPads and tablets and things of that nature where now they have the ability. Well, how much longer you think, Dad? Well, we got about this many miles, traveling about this long. Uh, you, you do the math. Okay, so you're looking at about two hours. Yeah, ballpark, about two hours. So here we go, setting a timer. And the next thing you know, two hours later, even though we made two stops for gas and we stopped to get something to eat and somebody else had to go to the bathroom 15 times. Now, you know, we, we do all of that and then you go, up, oh, Dad, are we there yet? No! And you just want to reach behind you, grab the tablet, and check it out the window. But then you think to yourself, I paid good money for that. Yeah? We have wearied the Lord. The people in Malachi's day have wearied the Lord. When are you going to do something? When are you going to do something? And then we sit around at dinner tables and we talk about how horrible things are going and all this is getting worse. Well, I wish God would do something. I wish God would hurry up. I wish God would take care of this. I wish God would strike that person dead. I wish God would raise this person. Hold the phone! And God is sitting up in heaven going, I'm going to come. Why are you so worried about everything? Why do you feel the need to take everything into your... You're not going fast enough. Maybe we can get them to count the vote again. Stop. Stop. God will come back. And He tells you, don't worry about the when. You worry about what you're doing in the process. We're, we get so wrapped up in end times and we're, we're looking at the signs of the time. Beloved, I'm not trying to be unkind. But all of my life, I have heard preachers say we're in the last days. All of my life. Now, I believe wholeheartedly we're closer today than we've ever been, but they believed it too. If you read 1 Thessalonians, you get this idea that the Thessalonians would go into church, they'd listen to the message, and then they would walk out of the church and just like a bunch of meerkats looking up, waiting. They thought they were living in the... Last day. But you know something? We are living in the last days. 2,000 years ago we were living in the last days. Today we're living in the last days. The problem is not which day we're living in. The problem is are you living like you're living in the last days? If we truly believe that we're living in the last days, we would live by that book knowing His return is right around the corner. Many confuse justice with revenge. They're not really wanting justice. They're wanting revenge. I want you to think about that for just a minute. Think about the person who has... Uh, think about the, the most evil individuals you have ever known or heard of. Think about those Charles Mansons, the Ted Bundys of this world. Think about the most evil person in your personal life. You know that they one day will stand before God and give an account for that? Is that not enough? Why would I wish? It's like, it's, it's like the brother watching his, uh, his sibling getting ready to get spanked and going, Dad, uh, you know, they got three pair of underwear on. You might want to, you might, um, they got a phone book in their pants, Dad. I'm going to go get popcorn so I can watch this. That's the way people act. They can't wait for someone to get their due. There's coming a day where everyone, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, everyone will stand before God and give an account. 
And I pray, I pray that those people in my life that I have known, that I have talked with, that I have met, won't be able to say, why did you want this to hurry for me? Too often, we pray for the revenge. Listen, I'm all about justice. When my God is insulted, made a mockery of, I, 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 I am I'm all about, Lord, how long are you going to allow your name to be drugged through the mud? I, I get that. I get that. That angers me, the disrespect of God. I pity those, however. I pity those who commit these acts. That preacher on TV who's preaching heresy. I pity him. Those people who support him. I pity them. That person who is guilty of heinous acts. I pity them. I'm asking on behalf of God's honor to not let it go unpunished, but at the same time, I'm not excited about the cosmic spanking that's coming for them. Not only do we see the heart of the cynic, but we see the hero who is coming. After examining the cynical here in chapter 2, verse 17, he says in verse number 1 through 5 of chapter 3, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. Let it be completely removed from any, anybody's thought process. The person who is talking is God Himself. Jehovah. And He refers to the One who is coming to prepare His way for Him. Jesus, the Son of God, and Jehovah are one in the same. This separating where Jesus is not Jehovah, He's a created being, bull butter. That is not true. Jesus is God. Now He says here, I'm sending my, my uh, uh, messenger and He shall prepare the way before Me. We, if we've been in uh, church for any amount of time, we, we know who He's talking about, but maybe we have missed that. Uh, so, looking at this, after examining the cynical heart of those uh, thinking, what's the point? The, the evil keep getting away with it. God breaks through with His message of hope that He is coming. And He says, I'm sending my messenger to prepare the way. You know what my job is in this world? To help you get everything out of the heart's way for Him to speak. You know why I like spending time in prayer before we preach, before we, uh, we worship? is because it's time for us to get our hearts right. The idea of preparing the way, this was to ensure that who is coming had no hindrances. They would send out a, a herald who would, who would walk down the streets crying out, the king is on his way. The king is approaching. Out of the way. Step to the side. Someone important's getting ready to come through. And the streets would clear just as Moses part in the Red Sea. And there would be wide open berth so that the king could make his way through. This is what John the Baptist did. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness make straight his paths. He says, hey, get ready for who's coming. 
This is something that we too ought to be doing on a regular basis. The things that we allow to distract us and to pull us to the side. John's message, what was John's message? Repentance. Right? And so not only, and here's the crazy thing. You know who he was preaching to? The Jews. And he was baptizing. People were like, well, what's that got to do with anything? Was this the introduction? of That was a Jewish practice. It was a practice for the Jews. Uh, when somebody was coming into Judaism as a proselyte, they would come and they would, they would bapti- uh, get baptized in a baptism of repentance, saying, I'm not one of you. I am taking and I'm shuffling off the old me. I'm raised to walk a new walk. I'm going to walk as you. This was something that John was now calling Jews to do, and they're looking at him going, what are you talking about? We're already Jewish. He says, no, you need to get rid of the old. Your hearts are hard. You need to wake up and get ready because the Messiah is coming. Just as in Malachi's day they were being reminded of this and in Jesus' day they were being reminded of this, we must learn to do this, to turn from our sin and self and look to God. This was making the hearts clear for Jesus' gospel. We have so much that pulls us on a daily basis. We must daily repent, daily confess, daily forsake our sins and ourself so that we can be ready to receive Him. Ask yourself, and, 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 and I'm not doing this to try to embarrass anybody. I, if anybody needs the embarrassment, it's me. But ask yourself how much preparation you did leading up to this morning's worship service. How much time did we spend on our knees saying, God, I'm getting ready. Examine what we're doing here. If the only thing that we're doing is just coming together because we're supposed to, because we like to sing, or because we want to see what that guy's going to say this week, who's singing a special? If that's the only reason that we're showing up, we need to shut the doors because we are wasting our time. But when we understand that what we are doing is we are presenting ourselves to God, we are coming to look to Him and say, praise be to God for His unspeakable gift. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. We love you and we want to worship you. If we're too busy doing this, We're probably not from our heart doing this. You know what's what's crazy is when when you're in good company, your schedule doesn't matter as much. I worked third shift when we were just dating. My father-in-law's here; he can attest to this. But I would get up, I, I would work third shift, and I would I would get off work, and I could drive all the way. It was like an hour and hour and fifteen minutes to get to her just to deliver some flowers to her work. And then I would drive another hour or so back. On Sunday mornings, I'd drive an hour to get down to pick her up from church. He had a car. He could have driven her. Time didn't matter to me because I wanted to be with her. When we want to be with somebody, 
That doesn't matter. I've canceled appointments before. I've been I've been out on a date with my wife, and now listen, this wasn't always the way. I'll be honest with you. I got distracted early on in ministry, and I let that cell phone drive us nuts. We'd be on a date, and I'd be on the phone with somebody that needed help. Look, she needs me to. And it doesn't bother me to just go, yeah, I don't need to answer that one. You're who I'm talking to. I quit taking my phone anywhere near me during my prayer time. My wife was asking me the other day, she says, I don't, why do you have to get up so early? Because I want to make sure that I'm talking to God and nobody else is, uh, is up trying to steal my attention. If i got to go lay back down and take a nap later, I will. But I have to have a meeting with God. It doesn't bother you how much time takes place, but so often we're like, oh, hurry it up, preacher, man. It's getting close to noon. Come on, preacher. There we go. No clocks today. There's a couple people in here going, shut up. But let's look, not only do we have not only do we have the heart, not only do we have the hero, let's look at the hope that is Christmas. If you look at chapter three, verses two and four, these are interesting. Who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. You know, many times we go through some really tough days. Brother Jason and I were talking about this just this week. You know, the closer you get to the Lord, he made this statement, and it's, it's, and it's good. It's good. Get your pens out. Write this one down. The closer we get to the Lord, the more the light starts to shine in the dark corners of our life. And those things start to come out. And we go, I don't want people to see that. I don't want people to see that. But here's the thing. The more the light shines, the more those things are going to get brought up to the top so that we can take them and do away with them. There's a lot of things that we're hiding ourselves. And it's time for us to dig those things out and get rid of them. And we need to quit looking at that coming to the surface, that, that darkness that's being exposed. We need to quit looking at that as a negative thing. And we need to say, thank you, God, for exposing this and removing it from my life. Thank you, Lord. This is what's being talked about here when he says the refiner and purifier uh, of silver. It, what they would do is they would melt it down. And, and you know how it goes. You melt down the silver, you melt down the gold, and all that nasty stuff, the impurities would rise to the top and you'd skim it off of it and you'd do away with all that dross, the stuff that comes to the surface. And the more you do that, the more you purify it, the more pure the gold is. And that's where you go from... 10 karat gold to 14 karat gold to 18 karat gold to 24, the purest, the 99.9999% gold. It's been purified. Now we see in Scripture, in the book of Revelation, the pure gold is, tr is transparent. All the impurity has been worked out. All of it. 
And that's what's happening. That impurity is coming to the surface. If it wasn't for that fire, if it wasn't for the heat, it wouldn't happen. And then not only does that fire purify, but then the fuller soap, it cleanses. It cleanses. You see, Christ reforms us by working out all that is wrong or impure in the soul. This is not an easy thing. But it's needed. It's needed. And that's the hope that we find in Christmas. The birth of Jesus was a wonderful day that lives for us as a hope and as a promise of a brighter tomorrow. The beauty that I find in this is that God never changes. I purposely stopped at verse number 5, but I want you to look at verse 6. Some of you Bible scholars are wondering, why in the world didn't he read that one? Well, here's why. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Pastor, it's getting, it's getting more and more difficult to live as a Christian today. God says He doesn't change. Well, Pastor, it's getting less popular to be a Christian today. What do you want, popularity or do you want Christ? God says, I never change. He says, you're not going to be consumed. You'll never be forgotten. You'll never be left behind. I don't change. That little baby in Bethlehem, he's still the same God. The one that grew up some 33 years later put himself on a cross. He said, nobody takes my life, I lay it down. He wasn't killed. He was sacrificed. Willingly. And he's coming back. The story doesn't end at the manger. It doesn't end at the cross. And it doesn't end at the ascension. There's coming a day. <laughs> I've read the last chapter. I know how it's going to end. And it's going to be glorious. Let us be careful not to wish for what we ourselves may not be ready for. Look at verse 2. But who may abide the day of His coming? Look. See this as a warning. See this as a, as a time for us to examine ourselves. The same God who showed Himself faithful reigns today. Trust Him. Examine yourself this morning and ask yourself, can I stand on the day that He returns? Will I be able to stand and abide the day of His coming? Is, is He refining me at this moment? Am I getting closer to Him? Or have I completely put Him out of my mind? And so let's make this practical. Let's apply it to ourselves for a moment. Ask yourself this morning if your cynicism or your pessimism is preventing God's ability to freely work in your life.
But when's he gonna when's he gonna take care of this? When's he gonna are you ever gonna answer? Well, Garth Brooks made unanswered prayers a popular thing. Beloved, there is no such thing. There's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. For the believer, he either says, Yep, nope, or hold on. To the unbeliever, the only prayer he's bound to answer is, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Save me. Are there things in your life that need to be cleansed and replaced? are, Are you fighting the fire of the refiner? Are you fighting the soap? like that 10-year-old kid that's just afraid of a bath for some reason. And the mom is pushing him in the bathtub with that soap and he's fighting tooth and nail. I don't want the soap. When's the last time you've taken a shower, son? About three weeks ago, Dad. Well, I think you're due. They're afraid of soap. There's a lot of Christians afraid of the soap of the Word of God. This will expose and bring heat if we let it. And this will clean us if we let it. If we let it. And last, are you sure that you will be able to stand before God? Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says simply this. It says, Behold, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The Mighty God. Note that. Not a God. But the Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Christ didn't just come to give you a ticket to heaven. He came to bring peace. Peace for your soul is available today. Peace on earth is just around the corner. Let this year, this Christmas season, be what reminds us that there is coming a time when we'll be able to experience that. But right now, you can experience peace in your heart. Peace with God. Have you. Gracious Heavenly Father. It's with grateful hearts. And a thankful spirit. That we present ourselves to you this morning. Father we get. Distracted so often. At this time of the year with all of the different things that are taking place our families, our friends, the gifts, the the fellowship that we enjoy. But God, we also sometimes become narrow-minded and focused only on Your birth. But help us, Father, to be reminded regularly that that baby in a manger was part of the story. 
But as he grew up and, and, and became a man of favor amongst God and other people. And then eventually, at the end of his ministry, poured out every bit of his blood and gave up his very life. And then he rose again the third day after being buried in a borrowed tomb. But then he ascended and is seated right now at this very moment at the right hand of the Father. Waiting for the day that you tell Gabriel to blow his horn. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain will be called up together to meet them in the air. And then after a little while, your son will occupy the throne of this earth. So Father, in the meantime, may we give him the throne of our hearts. Help us this Christmas to have hope and to give up our pessimistic mindsets. No more cynicism. Never forgetting that you never change. Thank you for that, Lord. We pray all of this in your Son's name. Amen. Happy birthday, Jesus. I'm so glad it's Christmas. All the tinsels and lights and the presents are nice, but the real gift is you. Happy birthday, Jesus. I'm so glad it's Christmas. All the carols and bells make the holiday swell. And it's all about you. Happy birthday, Jesus. Jesus, I love you. Join us if you would, please. Happy birthday, Jesus. I'm so glad it's Christmas. The tinsels and lights and the presents are nice, but the real gift is you. Happy birthday, Jesus. I'm so glad it's Christmas. All the carols and bells make the holiday swell, and it's all about you. Happy birthday, Jesus. Jesus, I.